Hello and welcome to the Atelier Forum podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Bauman. This week, I'm going to be talking to an incredible illustrator named Thomas Fluharty. You'll probably know him from his fantastic Instagram account, that's at Thomas Fluharty, or his work with People Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, and Sports Illustrated. And of course, that's just to mention a few of the many publications and projects he's worked on. In this episode, Thomas is going to share with you his insights into how, even at the age of 60, he continues to constantly grow as an artist, exactly how he deals with professional challenges and how he builds up his own confidence to tackle them. We also drill down on what he learned in his early days as a storyboard illustrator living in New York City and how he managed to transition from working for an agency to being a freelancer and working for himself. Let's get to the show and my conversation with Thomas Fluharty. You look great though, your camera, everything. I mean, it's super high res, you know? And it's, I gotta say, man, like, let me, can I just like, um, what for a minute about you? You're, you're really, you, you were a breath of fresh air for me. And um, yeah, it, it's just when I discovered you, I was like, this guy's the real deal. And the, the number one real deal is that you draw so dang well, but you're an incredible teacher as well. That was something that I was like, the, and we can talk about this as well, but I'm just saying what you're doing is really, I, I mean, I, I don't see people doing it like that. And so when, wow. when you have this drawing ability and then you also have this, um, I call it like the cult of uh, representationalism. Like mm -hmm. it, it, mm -hmm. representational art can be a cult. Like I've yeah. got all the facts, I've got all the science mm -hmm. and all the heart is ripped out of it. So mm -hmm. that's not true with you. So Anyways, we could we could talk about that. It's fine. But I'm just saying I'm not looking to, to, to rip on anybody, but I'm saying no, no, it's fine. Steven. There is a way that realism becomes a version of like trying to build a better mousetrap that by getting better materials, by getting better brushes, by yeah. by getting more model time, by getting more of this, optimizing that you optimize everything to the point at which all of the funny, weird that makes us like artwork is optimized out of it. And you have yeah. this great representation that nobody's really interested in. We all kind of admire it. We go like, yeah. wow, we're impressed. Yeah. But impressed in a way that's kind of distant. And yeah. just like uh, lo-fi audio recordings of music from the 70s, I love like crunchy, disgusting sounding garage rock yeah. from that era. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. part of what I love about it is how flawed the, not the presentation, but the portal that it yeah. comes to me through was. Like, I love that sound of the 70s. And if it yeah. if it was super optimized, studio recorded, yeah. remastered a million times to yeah. play perfectly on MP3, yeah. I, I don't think I would like it so much. Yeah, it's cold. And like, I have a friend, Todd Casey, and he's he's really done amazing in the last number of years. And we have these conversations where he's trained at, you know, GCA with Jacob mm -hmm. Collins and, and uh, he has an illustration background. So if you ever look at Richard McDonald's work, he's a sculptor. Richard has an illustration beginning. And when you have this facet or this aspect or this, I call it a gift that that is sort of present when you create, once you become classically trained, you never leave it. So exaggeration becomes something that is valid and it, it isn't to be poo-pooed. And I yeah. think I think that exaggeration can be like this um, looked upon as a bad guy. Mm. And so it's like, man, but wait a minute. Richard McDonald is exaggerating in his figures. Yeah. Now, some people would say it's too far. It doesn't matter. The point is there's life in it. Yeah. So when you, when you when you don't just bow down to the science of it, which scientificness mm -hmm. is safety, because I've, yeah. I've got it all figured out. But then you take out intuitiveness mm -hmm. and ability and freedom and power and life. That's yeah. what that's what intuitive is. So it's like this power yeah. and science together that I think need to coexist. And that's For what sure. I try to do. I'm not saying I'm accomplishing it all the time at all. Yeah. But that's what I notice in your work as well is it's mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's it has life in, in it. And that's what I love. Yeah, it's the life is a lot of times the flaws. I feel like I, I, I love flaws. I like I love flawed people. 
if yeah. I don't find somebody that has a bit of a dark mark on them, and I'm not sure that I totally trust them. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. if yeah. I don't know what's wrong with you in some small way. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I have a hard time relating to people. But uh, Thomas, before I get into anything, I want you to save yeah. me the embarrassment and please pronounce your last name for me. Thomas Flew Hardy. Flew Hardy. Flew Hardy. Yeah, flu honestly, it would have been my guess, but I thought that guess has <laughs> got to be wrong. I thought it should have been like a fluidity or there was yeah. some. And... All right, fair enough. I just wanted to like get that like cleared up straight away so that as I'm saying stuff, I don't I don't like in the back of my mind have this. I don't really know how to say his full name like echoing in my head. But you, you talked for a moment about like growing up in West Virginia and Ohio. And actually, mm -hmm. I, I kind of in all the artists that I talked to, like I'm sometimes not so secretly. I'm very interested in like how people grew up and what yeah. their kind of early exposure was. And I, yeah. I, I think of it as exposure rather than like inspiration because you kind of rub up against things in life. For me, you, I don't know if you'd ever guess in the world, but like I, I watched tons of cartoons like that. That was where uh -huh. actually drawing came to me from. It wasn't That's great. I didn't I wasn't like, oh, I'm into Da Vinci and Michelangelo as a child. Yeah. Like right. I like DuckTales. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, totally terrible. Like, well, not terrible, but really like generic run of the mill animation. And like, that's what yeah. what I really I really like. So what what did you kind of come up against? when you were a kid that was it comic books i always i want to guess that it's comic books back but maybe that's wrong you know I, I never really it was mad magazines bottom line i was drawing mort drucker uh jack davis um mad magazine um that's pretty much what it was i mean i was just drawing i was drawing from the tv guide i don't know how old you are but the tv guide i'm old enough for tv guide <laughs> So the TV guide, you know, I was, I have, I actually have these drawings. I'm doing a book right now of, that'll be out this year, but it's like, it's got all, it's got some childhood drawings in there. And there's a guy, there was a show called Dragnet and I yeah. drew, I can't remember his name. I'm drawing those types of things and I'm just drawing, like I'm just friggin' drawing all the time. Yeah. And, you know, like in, in, like, and I know everybody is drawing. But then, like, I was drawing, and there was just the love that I had about it. It just kind of came easy, and I just did it all the time. It was an obsessive thing. It was just where it was uh, – this is not a brag. I drew at a different level along with one of my other uh, elementary kids, T Timmy Mitchell or Timmy Miller. I think it was Timmy, Timmy Mitchell. And, you know, first grade, we're both going head to head, head to head against each other and we win first uh, prize. Fast forward that 40 years later, I get a draw three drawings in the mail from my first grade teacher. And I'm like, what the heck is this? You stole my drawings for 40 years. And she said, I thought they were different than the other little kids. So yeah. that 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 thing where you're doing it differently that's that was present um mm -hmm. but then it got it got derailed because i got into drugs but i'm just saying just yeah. that 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 I, I call it a gifting i don't think everybody can just be an artist i think there's gifting mm -hmm. involved that you're given i don't care what anybody says there's a big debate if you just work hard you can be an astronaut i will never mm -hmm. be an astronaut i'll never mm -hmm. be a doctor so I'm just saying these leanings, the way I'm wired, the, the way that God made me, it's like, this is what I know. You know, this is yeah. what I know the most. This is what I love. So it's yeah. really just, I think it was maybe rooted in love that we, you know, you, you kept going, but there had to be a love to keep you doing it. I don't want to brag here, right? I really don't, but I'm going to brag, which is what people you do should. right after they say, I don't want yeah. to brag. I have written down <laughs> in my notes, Mad Magazine, you are on that vibe. I've literally written it down here. Looking at your work and I think the vast majority of what we see, like I've seen a ton of your Prismacolor work. Um, I've yeah. also, by the way, I've looked at the oil paintings and I want to talk to you about that too because there's a sophistication there that, that I think is just kind of fascinating. I'm and honored. you don't often see it coupled together with somebody who's... I, I look at your drawings and I think that they're in a way they're constructed in a very free associative way. 
Wow. I, I'm sure I don't want you to take that as an insult. Maybe no, no, you no. see it in a different way. <laughs> Not at all. But they're drawn by this kind of force of nature almost. They, they seem to spring out of a well that has wow. no, no bottom to it. One of the things that I noticed is that kind of exaggeration that you were doing, I associated so much to what I feel like was a really an outlier of early like comic culture. Mad Magazine had amazing paintings in it like really sophisticated yeah. yep. ink wash work. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm not shocked to hear that that was that was something that really resonated with you. You know, you have you have Mort Drucker with who has a zero education. He doesn't mm -hmm. he didn't go to a, he didn't he never even got classically trained mm -hmm. at all. He didn't even go to art school. Then you have Jack Davis studying those being influenced by those guys. You have Jack Davis, who's one of the greatest cartoonists that ever lived. And then you have Drucker, mm -hmm. who's one of the greatest um, uh, caricaturists that ever lived. And he could draw uh, a caricature of anybody, any angle, in ink, which is freaking really hard to mm -hmm. do. When you have a line to, to, mm -hmm. to make a statement, you live or die. There's no command Z like on your computer, like you right. live and die with that line. And so anyways, yeah. those guys, that realm, my desire after that input, after that absorption was, I want to be an illustrator. I want to be an illustrator. I want to be an illustrator. So my, my focus was illustration. You had Bob Peak, you had mm -hmm. um, Maxfield Parrish, who was a little bit more of an, well, he was definitely an illustrator. You had mm -hmm. Rockwell. These are the guys that, uh, were, that's where I was looking. I yeah. wasn't looking at, um, at Rembrandt. I wasn't looking at sure. Bouguereau. I had no clue those guys even existed. Yeah. So once I became an illustrator and had two years of art school at the Art mm -hmm. Institute of Pittsburgh and got immersed in the, the world of wanting to do it, all I saw, my the only place I was looking was here. Well, I didn't realize yeah. there was here. Sure. And that's, that's when I eventually got classically trained was I started looking up here. And then I stopped being an illustrator and mm -hmm. started looking here and training, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to pick up actually the... Um what the lay of the land was like you were studying uh, in pittsburgh during the 19 during the 1980s I'm, I'm correct in saying that right yeah in the 80s 81 now 81, like 80s 82. 81 was not like a great time in america for representational art it had kind of been pushed out of a lot of universities and people that wanted to learn to draw and paint stuff that looked like stuff Generally, yeah. they went to illustration programs. I just wanted to wow. uh, get your take on that experience. Also, being in the Northeast Corridor in the states, where in America, like in that in that area, there's a great quantity of like representational work that you can look back on. Whereas, like I'm from Miami, Florida. If you know, if you didn't tell me that there was representational art in you know in Europe uh, several hundred years ago, I wouldn't yeah. have known. There's no, there's no wow. way you could really connect to that like on <laughs> the crazy. surface, um, yeah. uh, just in your day to day life. Uh, so I wanted yeah. to get your take. It's 1980. You're a young guy, uh, presumably a full head of hair, you know, blowing in the wind. I did. And you're <laughs> listening to rock and roll music. Yeah. What was the totally. experience like? What were you getting up to? The, the idea was I was just able to be an artist. So I don't know if you know my story. There's a, there's, it's, I've said it numerous times. There's a few videos on YouTube, but basically my father was murdered one night in a, in a tragic accident. He was killed. And I, there was no way for me to go to school at all. I'm getting no money. My father was out of the picture. He's killed at a bar because he managed a bar. And that was devastating. I'm 18. So then he... Yeah. He said to me before he died, you're going to school one way or another. Yeah. Well, that one way or another happened to be that all of a sudden, because he died on the, on his, at his job, um, yeah. I had workman's compensation and social security that allowed me to go to school for free. Well, all I knew was my friends were going to art institute of Pittsburgh. And so that mm -hmm. was what I, that was, that was on the table. Yeah. I, I could yeah. not go. So when I went, my goal was to be an illustrator because my 11th, 12th grade teacher started getting into my head saying, you could do whatever you set your mind to. You're really good at art. You should go after this. They started introducing me to these artists, right? Like NCY, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So anyways, when I went to school and got to go to school for Pittsburgh, my goal was I want to be an illustrator. I want to be an illustrator. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew Rembrandt, but I didn't know anything other than just like, you know, fine art. Like, what did that even mean? It's like a like a big gigantic term it's broad yeah so anyways when i went to school i was like 
I need to make, I need to, I need to, well, I was just drawing. I was drawing uh, Mick Jagger, Pete Townsend. Mm-hmm. And after one year, and I was learning fundamentals. I was learning um, painting in acrylics with this guy, Rislow. He was a teacher there. Henry Kerner was a, mm-hmm. was a very famous painter, super arrogant, arrogant guy. Uh, and he's in the elevator and he's just like, he's like cussing like crazy. And yeah. he's, he painted like 59, 60 time covers, but Kerner's like, He's legendary. So anyways, I'm just, I'm life drawing and this, just this whole rhythm of like art, just art. I have no focus, no vision of where are you going? What do you mean draw? What do you mean make a living? What do you mean? I go to, um, uh, back to Ohio. I didn't grow up in West Virginia, by the way. I grew up in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. And when I went back to Dayton, Ohio, there was an art director that worked at a place called Wanamakers. And in the late seventies, illustration was hot. Mm-hmm. There was a whole um, agency of just illustrators sitting around making money, doing stuff for everything. So it was a very viable uh, gig. It paid. And so I went back and showed him my work. His name's Nick Stamus. He's an incredible artist, one of my dear friends now. Um, and um, I, he, he said, yeah, I'll meet with you. And so he, he, he cleared his schedule. He's a successful guy. He clears the schedule, looks at my work. and He says, you're drawing Pete Townsend and Mick Jagger. These are great but I don't buy those. I don't need those. You need to make yourself marketable. He said, go back. And, and if you go, do you do markers? I said, no, never done markers. He said, go back, do markers. And when you get out, you get a job in an advertising studio or an agency doing markers, mm-hmm. doing layouts. You're marketable. Yeah. I went back and I, I jumped into a marker class and I didn't, and it was only two year school. So I did markers completely on every assignment and every assignment I also worked in, if it was a design job, illustration because I knew I wanted to be an illustrator. So once I did all this work for a year, I had samples to show. I had, I could show that and present that to people. Uh, I graduated this one place in Pittsburgh was waiting to offer me this job, Hmm. uh, painting black and white renderings of vacuum cleaners and coffee makers for the newspaper. This was eight, you know, 1982 when the cameras were like, they couldn't photograph a, a, a coffee maker because the dot pattern would mess up on the on the ink on the four, you know, the ink press. So you had to render these products, and so that yeah. was death basically. But I was like, hey man, <laughs> this is a cool gig. I'm going to be drawing and painting. Anyways, yeah. I know this. I know this is a long winded answer. I'm sorry, but basically, when they that job did not materialize. Uh, okay. They kept blowing me off saying, yeah, you got this job when when the lady comes back from um, maternity leave. Uh, and in the meantime, I was like, man, my friends go, Flu, you really want to live in New York City. Send your work to New York City. Mm-hmm. So I looked in the black book and they had all these artists in there, uh, representatives and studios. So I flipped it open and I saw this one place that drew like crazy. They were like, this place is awesome. And then there was yeah. one other place, Bruce Martin's Rough Riders, and they did storyboards. Well, there was this one place, Gem Studios, that drew well. And I knew that mm-hmm. they drew well because I love drawing. And then all, all of a sudden, I was like, I'm sending my work here. I sent my resume with some samples. I got some samples printed up, sent it to two places, nothing. But one place, Gem Studio, called me, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, this gruff New York was like, you Tom Fluharty? I was like, yeah. And he's like, you draw? I was like, yeah. And he goes, you draw out of your head? I said, not really. And he said, well, come on up. We want to give you a chance. So they yeah. flew me up to New York City. I'm 21 years old. I walk in the studio, this guy, uh, the top artist there, Ken Bald, he's 64 at the, the time. He drew Dr. Kill there, uh, um, Captain America. He's best friends with Stanley. He welcomes me in and um, and I draw for a week and I suck because I can't I can't draw a lady sitting on a, 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 the porch smoking a cigarette out of my head. I need I need photos, reference, whatever. So uh, they saw enough and they said, yeah, we're we're doing storyboards here. We want to hire you. So they Mm -hmm. they they hired me two hundred fifty dollars a week, brought me up. I I moved up and uh, Mm -hmm. just started going at it and showing my drawings every day. And he he'd just be honest with me. And so it was it started my drawing career of just drawing Mm -hmm. everything from the ground up. It was just insane that like I'm in this situation where I get to I get paid to draw. And I did that for 13 years at Gem. And it was just an incredible, incredible experience. So it was I always say this, my two year education got me to the next door. I don't mm-hmm. need I mean, I would take a four year education. I would mm-hmm. encourage everyone to go get a degree. My, I have an associate's degree. It's nothing. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is that degree, I mean, that that 
that two years got me to the next door. And then that door got me to the next door. So each, it's not so much what that piece of paper says. Ultimately, it's about who you train with and, and how hard you work and who, who yeah. you surround yourself with. I don't want to distract too much from the main point, but you said that you were, uh, you'd moved up to New York, 250 a week to uh, draw at this agency. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing the math and I'm thinking, all right, where are you living in New York? <laughs> did you get a place in Manhattan? Like, did you have like one of these tiny as a closet apartments where you living in Jersey City? Like, what did you do? Where were you living? Yeah, that's interesting. So I lived in Hoboken for a year right. with my friends. And then in six months, I went into Gem Studio, my bosses, and I sat them down. I said, hey, guys, look, I've been here six months. I need to move into the city and uh, I need a raise to 500 a week. Yeah. My boss goes, Get the hell out of and I just stepped yeah. up and walked out and he goes, wait, 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 come back, come back. And he's like, we think you're worth it. We think you're worth it, but you're mine. And so I was like, dude, I'll work. I'll work all the time. I'm yours. So they gave yeah. me that raise. I moved into the city. I moved into 542 East 11th Street, which mm -hmm. was a hole in the wall. Like I said, the rent, you know, it's an up and coming place. My friend said, yeah, the rents are up and the rest is coming later. <laughs> so it was just like this, it was a crack den area, but I lived there. I lived there. I got in. And then after that, as I started making more money and renegotiating mm -hmm. contracts, I lived in the village. I, I basically lived All in right. the village the whole time. The last three years, my, I got married eventually. And then my wife and I moved down to Battery Park City for the last three. And okay. that's when like I had sort of, Arrived is the wrong term. I don't mean that arrogant, but they offered me a big contract and we moved down to, there's a whole story behind that, but we moved down to Battery Park. This was in 93, stayed there for three years. They bombed the building right as soon as we moved there in 93, but we could see 41st oh, floor right, looking yeah. up. It was cool. It was really an amazing thing. But hmm. after that, that was 13 years. We left in 95 and we were ready. So we moved to Minneapolis, but mm -hmm. you know, okay. left the job, went freelance, the mm -hmm. truck pulled away and my wife's like you don't have a job I yeah like, hang tight so so what was the transition like so you had this contract you felt you know you felt like hey i've i've worked my butt off i've got to this place i get this contract that i've been waiting for it's great and then you transitioned to freelance i'm sure there was a lot that went into that decision was it kind of a life thing was it a work thing combination of both you wanted to get out of the city what was that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I when I signed that contract, I got a housing allowance, a car allowance, a big raise and a bonus or whatever. So living there was easy with no pressure because I just had to deliver at my job. I didn't have to pay my overhead. It was coming my way every week regardless. Mm -hmm. But we were ready to leave because we had three daughters at that time. New York, I was never going to stay there and, and have an overhead like that. That would be crazy mm. and so i had been developing already uh going after illustration so i had been painting in every spare second that i get so i we would work crazy hours doing storyboards so we basically we'd be done by like 12 o'clock at night and get a cab home well i'd say well, i'm gonna work till two on my paintings and and develop so i would work from 12 to 2 take the cab home. So I did that constantly. I, every, every spare second I got, I schooled myself to be an illustrator and build a book and a portfolio to show people. I went to SVA, studied acrylics. So anytime I learned a new something or a new skill set, I always study with people. Yeah. And um, so I went to SVA, learned how to do acrylics and worked out lots of mediocre acrylic paintings before I finally had some things that looked good, went to all the magazines, got shot down. It was always like, yeah, you know, your work is good, but it looks like blah, blah, blah. Didn't matter because I still had my storyboard job that was paying me, but I was constantly developing, looking for the day that we're leaving. And when we hit Minneapolis, I'm broadening my skill sets. I'm not just a storyboard artist. That's what I'm, that's, that's my bread and butter. That's going to pay for my life. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make me happy. This is really what I want to do. And the delusion is I thought once I could do this, then I'm going to be happy. That's the delusion of art. <laughs> art cannot ultimately make you happy, which is cool to know now. But yeah, great to pursue these things. So I was diversifying my 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 opportunities, my skill set, making money, not just with illustrate, um, not just with storyboards, but uh, 
when I moved to Minneapolis, I was ready. And and as soon as I showed my work to an agency in town, again, not a brag, I'm not bragging here. It just things took off. I had already been doing this for 13 years at a extremely high level because of how we were trained. So yeah. when I showed these agencies, it was different than a lot of the stuff they had seen. And it allowed me to just get swamped. So I'm 33 at that time. Okay. You probably wonder well, how old are you now? I'm 60. I just turned 60. Hey, so, congrats. <laughs> so basically it was like, I hit the ground running at 33 and I worked yeah. my life away for thirties, forties and into my fifties. Sure. Providing I have five daughters and, you know, paying for everything. My wife homeschooled them and took them to music yeah. and, but yeah, anyway, sorry. I for can't my even think of calculating to five kids that, that, that makes <laughs> my mind boggle. But uh, I want to go back just for a moment to that to that storyboarding job. So I remember hearing you talk about that uh, on, on another show as well. And I thought it was kind of so fascinating. If you could give me any idea of like what the intensity and productivity level for a professional storyboarder would have been in those days, like, you know, you're going into work, whatever, 8, 9 a.m. I don't know what it is. Yeah. How many drawings are you producing in a day? How do you, how do you quantify like what your production is in, in that industry yeah. during a, a typical workday? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have no choice. The job comes what you how much you do. So yeah. it's now so so the call comes in Tuesday night, Tuesday night late. Hey, jobs due Thursday morning. It's 18 frames Thursday morning. So it's Tuesday night. Wow. When we get in a brief, well, the art director is going to brief you tonight. He's not ready to 1130 at night. OK, bam. So I'm going to stay up, get the brief. It's now 1230. I'm like, I'm fried out. I think I need to just go to bed and get up. So I go get four or five hours, six hours of sleep, wake up uh, Wednesday morning. I draw um, pretty much till the end of the day and I get all these drawn out. Um, and then they say, oh, well, this one was killed. This one was not. This one is good. Uh, but this one was completely wrong. You didn't hear what I said. This is a downshot three quarter of a bunch of clowns jumping out of a FedEx uh, truck. So scratch the one that you just did. And so, so it's like the deadline is still looming in the morning. Mm -hmm. But now I have to redraw more. And thankfully, yeah. there's a team, Stephen. There's a team around me. Yeah. And so uh, someone's going to color it or whatever. But I'm basically dealing with all the jerking around and the changes and the briefs and the you know, everything. So now uh, I show the AD, he gets it. And then all of a sudden I'm free. It's 12 o'clock at night. I slam down into the morning of uh, 8 a.m. Somewhere maybe 6 a.m. The AD wakes up, takes a look and says, nope, nope, nope. This one's not right. Oh, and then there's two extra frames added. All still do at that time. And then they'll be like, well, we might have till 11. And yeah. so you get it all done and you're fried out. And when you're a little old, younger in your 30s, 40s, you can bounce back a little bit easier. Yeah. But it's an adrenaline thing. And it's also yeah. you get paid really serious money. So that 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 duration of time from Thursday, mm -hmm. Tuesday night down to Thursday morning, you might make two or three grand. Yeah. But you're like fried out. And like like another friend of mine, um, he said, uh, Tom, that stuff will suck the life out of you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly true. So I bailed on it uh 20. 18 totally for good. I don't do it. I did that for 35 years. So when I say to people, if they like my drawings or something, I'm like, you got to remember there's 35 years. There's actually 40 years of drawing, but in this mm. work, but there's actually, I've been doing now 40 years, but I'm saying there are 35 years of being jerked around for 35 years. <laughs> and so that yeah. though, that like, there's a quote I use from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, and he was thrown into prison. I think he, made, I don't know what you've heard if you've ever heard this, but basically they said, "What about prison?" He said, "Bless you, prison," because it made him what he is today. So, mm -hmm. bless you, storyboards, because you've allowed me a perspective. You've you've helped me to have this incredible perspective of understanding, and I'm grateful now for it. But I, I don't wish it on anybody. It was it was no. terrible. I, I hate storyboards to this day. Yeah. So, but I love drawing. That's what it is. And I and it's yeah. it's that one thing that allowed me to draw rapidly and crazily mm -hmm. under pressure. So I was gonna say, like when when I hear you talk about the way that that you draw nowadays, the way that you push yourself, the way that you drive forward, the way that you want to use every minute that you can. Uh, to to draw better to 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 reach yeah. the, the the peak that you're trying to get to, yeah. 
you know, I find that there's this great kind of analogous moment because you you're creating for yourself this kind of a deadline in a way you're saying that that I want to reach this peak in an expressive art making that is not totally dissimilar from the the grind of maybe having to deliver because I think there's something in a hard commercial deadline that mm -hmm. is so seemingly has a great contrast to the artistic experience but i think if as an artist you can experience that and embrace meeting that deadline it gives mm -hmm. you a skill that that is really really valuable and um, when i look at your productivity i'm not surprised to hear a story like that in your past that you mm. had to grind out to a hard deadline to arrive at something and there was no there was no you showing up and saying oh i didn't do the other two frames sorry it's no, 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 no. You know, yeah. like that's not a, yeah. an option in that scenario. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you're 33, Minneapolis, you're doing freelance. What What is kind of the freelance world consist of? I mean, I, as a fine art type, I guess I'm constantly a freelancer that I that I make things right. and, and I don't right. know where they're going to go. But you're actively like finding gigs with with different companies you're approaching them they're approaching you how does that work so it used to be the editorial uh was um it was a tree that just mm -hmm. dropped fruit and you just were there and you were known and someone an art director or a magazine would say oh and then they would see you in a magazine so it bred mm -hmm. it bred opportunities it just dropped fruit and it was just there well, with the with the um, with the digital age, magazines are folding. I'm 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 watching Time Magazine. When Time Magazine goes, that's that's a sign that we are that it's over basically. Yeah. So we another traditional print, meaning they're paying you to create an image for a bunch of words. So if they put just words in a magazine, it, there would be no joy like there is with a visual. So this yeah. this um, this uh, wedding, uh, this union of text, story, visual, they all yeah. that's how it's been. So anyways, that created a lot of opportunity. I saw that coming a long time ago uh, when I when I bailed on uh, having an agent uh, because I wasn't interested anymore with drawing the CEO of Kraft Foods with a caricature. So I love caricature. I still love caricature to this day. So I got trained in it. I, I just schooled myself in it and just did it in editorial. And that's how I made my money. So that was one way. So I still do editorial to this day, mainly for one magazine, the Washington Examiner. And I'm actually doing it right now. The deadline is Thursday end of the day. It's a, it's a, it's a cake deadline. It's great. Okay. There's no pressure. I stay away from stress. But this gig allows me to say I'm making this X amount in this week and I can breathe. So as soon as I'm done with that, I'm on to doing exactly what I want to do and exactly how I want to develop. How do I want to make money? How do I want to have fun? And because having fun is absolutely key. So as I, as I, it's very rare that somebody just calls me and gives, it gives me an opportunity for a children's book or whatever. Like I've always had to work, develop, show them, I have friends that'd be like, yeah, you know, they, this these people called me and bam, and his whole career blows up mm -hmm. because of this cool <laughs> thing. I have to work towards it. I have to like develop. <laughs> I have to like practice and 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 create samples so they can. Oh, they, you draw a cat, but can you draw a dog? Well, of course. Well, I don't see that <laughs> in your in your work. Well, I can't give you this until you can convince me. So I'm always convincing people. So that, yeah. in other words, my freelance career is. I make money in a few different ways. I but I teach at schoolism. I uh, I do editorial. Um, I'm also creating and engaging uh, on social media. I'm uh, creating books that I know will sell. I'm going to some cons, uh, some some conventions that I know. Uh, social media has changed everything. Where mm -hmm. I I've monetized it in in and it pays me a percentage. Uh, it's not all that I do. I have friends that that's all they do. But I also realize I don't want to be a content creator. I want to be able to create something that I absolutely love. So right now, the whole freelance thing is is one of the facets is is drawing and creating. And so I have all these genres that I've drawn. 
and done sharks, uh, dogs. And I thought I was going to monetize dogs. I thought I'd go to a dog show and they would be lined up down the corner. And that didn't happen, Stephen. <laughs> so then I just keep drawing what I love, right? Like yeah. what I find fascinating. And I have a, like a three-point creed as I create. It's like create, engage, and edify. All I mean by that is I'm not going to just say like, I will now edify you. The idea is I'm going to say something helpful because I have 40 years of experience. So I'm going to create because I want to develop and grow. I, I, life is a school, man. I want to become awesome at what I do. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, I've got so much to learn. So I'm schooling myself by studying with great artists. Number two, once I create, then I can engage, put that up. Because I do want to build a following me because I want yeah. to know people. I want to engage, but I also want to make money by selling to the people that are interested in what I'm doing. So that's yeah. where books come in. That's where prints come in. And I sell originals. Lastly, yeah. the cowboy direction has sort of become central because I love character design. I love trying to figure out how to draw in a refined way and create characters but I'm also doing a cowboy painting. I don't know if you can see it. It's back here. It's really like six feet long. It's a saloon fight where yeah. they're just beating the crap out of each other. So that thing I'm going to finish in the next couple of years with some other cowboy paintings that I've done and, and, yeah. and I'm going to approach a gallery. So that's another facet of, yeah. um, and that allows me to be develop as a painter as well. Yeah. So it's constant. It's sort of organic. Like, I'm yeah. not just going to do something to get a like. That's lame. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to grow, develop. I need repetition. I need brush sure. mileage, basically. Sure. You know what I mean? So all, I that, think, all that is wrapped yeah. into the whole thing. Yeah. Looking at, at, uh, um, at you, at your work, at how you operate, how you're going kind of direct to, to people instead of through gatekeepers. One of the things that I really enjoy is, is how clear it is, how obvious it is when watching you that the at the central position is your enjoyment of of making this stuff um yeah, yeah, but cool. how you seem to keep that sacred and central i really appreciate that that particular that's dynamic cool. i love it but, that's cool but when you're making those drawings uh could you give me from like a maker's perspective right and i don't mean exactly the subject matter it's a dog it's a shark it's a cowboy but when you think about your drawing technically yeah. What is your growth like right now? How are you engaging with your drawings right now? What is it you're trying to get better at in your work specifically that, that keeps you coming in with like kind of a red hot fire of, of inspiration? That's interesting. Um, so right now for the last, uh, actually last week to this week, it has been extremely difficult. And I got, I got the wind knocked out of me and really, really uh, brought low because I started drawing for a company that I'm really dear friends with uh, the creative director and the uh, artist, uh, the, the the art director, and these these people are sweet. They're dear people, and I'm um I I needed to draw in this specific way, and it is I am leaning on all my storyboard uh, skills and understanding, but I I sucked last week. I struck out. And it overwhelmed me and it stressed me out. And I was like, it was like my thoughts were, you suck. You can't do this. What are you going to do now? And it was just like all this condemnation of like, whoa, yeah. Now, as I took some days off, I had a conversation back with the art director. And I was able to uh, almost have these uh, olive leaves handed to me, back to me. Like, they're like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. This job isn't going away. Just go. And I came to the conclusion that I need to practice and I need to develop and give myself this scenario multiple times and solve these problems. And I'll reapproach you in the next. That's my job. My job now is to draw in that specific way because I know I can. It's not like I'm trying to draw like um, uh, with my left hand. Like I know I can do that. And the other thing is it's going to be money. So it's like it's not going to be complete joy. It's going to be. I can do this and enjoy it. And if it gets to a point when I would train and work out doing that, I'll back off of it and say, that's not quite for me. So what I'm getting at is this. Um, what is what is it like right now for me? That's what it's like. Yeah. But just yesterday, I realized I need to develop constructing. I need to go back to the to the to the fundamentals yeah. of just character design. And I need to just freaking draw. 
Yeah. And um, not draw like I draw with cowboys. I start with the left eye and I just, and I know construction. So I'm always thinking about the skull and the anatomy and all that stuff. But that's a, that's a, that's um on a negative. It's a rut because it's a, yeah. it's a lean to, I'm leaning to my comfort zone. Now I'm freaking completely knocked out trying to figure it out. And I realized I need to go draw. I need to construct. So I started yesterday mm -hmm. and I want to do this more. I'm drawing one minute poses and I'm drawing at new masters Academy, just these poses. And I'm just working out, taking notes and I'm just reschooling myself. And I actually feel more confident now. Like I can do this. So it's, I build this confidence by going back to the basics and, 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 and looking at people that are doing it at, at a high level for me, yeah. I know I can do it. I have to, I'm building back my confidence mm -hmm. and, that's just kind of where I am right now. So right now I'm actually super excited to draw, but I can't because I got other things going on. So, right. you know what I mean? But my drawings yeah. in my time right now are not developing something to post. My times right now are personal. They're, 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 mm -hmm. um, they're intimate with me only as developing yeah. and drawing and constructing failure or weaker mm -hmm. drawings. And I'm okay with that because yeah. I'm only going. Hopefully, I'll only get stronger as I go back and reschool myself. And that's what I think. That's how we get good. We mm -hmm. we we suck, and I'm a slow learner. We suck, but then we can gain our footing. You know. Yeah. Has your relationship to that process changed over time? As you said, you just turned sixty. I'm thinking of, you know, I know my 24 year old self was unable to deal with so many things, but like over time, yeah. how, how have you, how do you feel like that has, has changed for you when you face adversity as an artist? I mean, to say that by the way, is to breathe air, right? Like, of course you face adversity as an artist, but the way that you talk about it now, I believe that you, it sounds as if you have this view of yourself a little bit from a distance and you say like objectively, this is what's happening and I, I need to do this to alleviate this, this pain point for myself. Has that evolved over time when you're in your twenties, your thirties, was that struggle more difficult? I don't know if it's more difficult. You use the phrase alleviate the difficulties. Mm -hmm. um, I think not removing difficulty from your life is better as an artist. It's better to be struggling. Okay. There's a phrase, there's a sentence or a story about the little girl who sees a little butterfly breaking out of the cocoon. She goes over and says, oh, he can't get out. And she opens up the cocoon, butterfly dies because the butterfly needed the, 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 the struggle. The, he develops his muscles pushing and squeezing in, in tight places. He, he, be, he can only fly because of the struggle. That's the point. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be stressed out. That's the default why we go to our comfort zones. But if we grow as artists and my goal is to become great at what I do, and that's what I want more than anything, but I'm not volunteering. Hey, can you make my life difficult right now? But mm. when it does come and you do, you are able to grab a great glimpse of yourself, which is what happened last week. Then I, I figure out, okay, I know what I got to do to get better and to grow and to develop and become stronger though. That's, that's how it's different than I was at 20. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's the major difference now. But my main goal right now is, is I say I might have 20 years left if I make it to 80. If I did right, and it's like, man, I I could I could really learn some things here if I really apply myself. So I I'm super aggressive with my time. I mm -hmm. take time with my family as well. I don't just serve art entirely. But sure. it's like, man, when my time is here, I'm I'm developing. I'm growing. I'm studying. I'm studying with yeah. great artists as well. So I don't know if that answers it, but that's the difference. Oh, it's even like it does answer it. But even if it didn't answer it, that answers better than <laughs> than what I could have hoped for. You have focused a lot talking about studying, learning, uh, in particular studying with great people. I just mm -hmm. wondered if there were any of those interactions maybe that stands out to you that say, experience that you look back on that was kind of fundamental for who you've become for myself there's some very ironic ones like my high school art teacher though not particularly artistically influential was the only person who ever told me you could actually do 
that you could grow up to be mm. an artist. Wow. Whereas wow. I, as, as, as a teenager, I had literally no, I no sense of, of, of concept that that was a thing that humans did as they became adults. The, the ones I did mention this earlier, Nick Stam has changed my life. Uh, yeah. when he told me to make myself marketable, get that job. So that was, that was, that was really gigantic. That was game changer. I don't know where I would have been had he not met with me. That's the kindness of a pro meeting with an amateur, not, you know, that's incredible. The other, the other two things that were gigantic is I, um, I, I realized I need to study oils. I needed to move from acrylics to oils. And I'm not a fan of teaching myself anything. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see someone say, I'm a self-taught artist, I look at their work and I go, yeah, it looks like it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know I need, I need to study because it's, it's, it's information. It's like, it's, yeah. it's handed down. This is, this is public information. Nobody's got a hidden skill set in their back pocket. This is it. And so I said, who are these, who, who, who teaches painting in Minneapolis? There was another place I went and looked at her studio. I looked at her work, not to be mean, but I was like, I don't think I could study with this person. I don't think they're that good, but they could teach me painting. Well, then there was another dude. There was another studio, uh, Paquette uh, Hernanko, Hernanko Paquette Studio out of St. Paul. And Jeff Hernanko uh, taught Dutch Flemish. And then Joe Paquette taught landscape. Mm -hmm. So at 2003, I went down every Wednesday and started studying with Jeff. And Jeff is very scientific. Mm -hmm. He's a great artist, by the way. And he's a humble guy. He's a great teacher. So... He spoke Chinese to me for about three years. I didn't understand anything. And I had 20 years experience as an illustrator. Yeah. I didn't understand value. I couldn't even explain what value was. Yeah. I honestly couldn't even explain value until maybe four years ago when I studied, I started studying with Joe Paquette somewhere around 2008. And then I really amped it up around 2017. I studied with him every night, every, every Thursday night for, for two years. Mm -hmm. And then we moved. But that studying around those guys completely transformed everything for me. And so when Jeff said, there's one thing he said in particular, when he looked at my work, he's looking at all my illustration mm -hmm. for magazines. He goes, wow, I like this. He's like, your work is very linear. I said, what do you mean linear? And he said, well, you see this line on the nose? That's not a line. That's a value behind that nose. The value is pop is forming the edge of the nose, not a line. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So that was like complete blow up. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I did a painting of my daughter. And after that conversation, I saw form. I saw... Mm -hmm value i was like oh my gosh there's no lines it's and so that and you know what am i like 25 years in as an artist yeah i'm an illustrator i was in time magazine or whatever i didn't know anything i was like stupid sure. i was just this imitator of just following dumb stuff anyways that was life-changing and then when i started studying with joe um mm -hmm. we go out landscape you know plein air painting and um not a clue not a clue overwhelmed uh like oh my gosh uh so then then as i just went back uh and studied with them in 2017 2018 yeah 2017 2018 um he's an incredible human being incredible teacher he just he would make the rounds and he'd say you know a lot of people in this room are uh, bleeding with a heart on the ground with uh, they're, they're they're bleeding to death he's like you got a pebble in your shoe but I got to say, that's not a compliment. That pebble in my shoe was killing me. And I was sucking wind. It wasn't like I wasn't bleeding. I was definitely bleeding. He was just being kind. What he was saying was, you have all this experience, but you've got to really, you've got to think about this stuff. And so I remember did this road in Paris, just work from a, just painting. And, and he walked around the room the whole night. For the whole night, I struggled on just making this road work. And I was exasperated. He let me go. At the end of the day, at the end of the night, I figured it out. But I sucked. And, and I sucked for a couple of years. And really this, and then I took another workshop with him at Madeline Island just recently in the last two years. Things started clicking. Things started feeling better. And now I'm 
now I'm learning and growing. I just need, I need brush mileage on my plein air and um, I need uh, brush, mileage, uh, brush mileage on my Dutch Flemish as well. So I have not arrived. Whenever anyone writes me, almost never does anybody say, I love your paintings. What they always say is I love your drawings and I'm okay with that. My goal is to develop as a painter for the rest of my life and I'm doing it now, yeah. but I'm not worried about the the difference in my the levels it doesn't matter i'm yeah. i'm growing and developing and, and i even studied with you as well like on uh, patreon i was just schooling what? myself <laughs> yeah 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 dude i i, I studied i studied with you for a while and i'm gonna come back and study with you That's and you crazy. need to put this in the video <laughs> don't edit this out you're freaking awesome and you're a All great right, teacher you. so you've got to keep this in um, All right. So anyways, what I'm saying is that you're just talking in a certain way that I need to, I need to get around people that are solid people that mm. that have a depth and a broad base with them. And it was really incredible. And I just don't have a lot of time to do it. But you're on sure. my goal. You're a guy I would study with Joe Peck out. I keep studying with Joe. You never you never arrive. You know, you always need to just keep pressing in. Don't get mm. comfortable. You can always get better. So yeah. I love that. Those love those that. three guys, though, that changed everything for me. That's you know? fantastic. What are here's something, Thomas. We're we we done, I try to keep them usually around an hour, um, but I want to try something. All right, yeah. I want to experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. As this is a relatively new show, so you are going to be the first one that I will subject to this potential show segment. Are you Are you in? Oh, of course, of course, of course. All right. The show segment is called Smash or Pass, which is a young in a young person's vernacular to smash is positive to pass is to say no i'll, I'll pass i'm out on that right 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 so okay. you have two options you're presented with a concept you it is up to you to either smash or pass so thomas Fluhardy, would you smash or pass art block as a thing that exists i'm sorry help me oh oh, oh like uh, art block like um like i can't do this today i got art block is that what you're talking about I would say, uh, uh, um, well, I, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe in that. So I don't know if that's smash or pass. I don't believe in art <laughs> that, block. That's, yeah. My wife has the same problem with this segment that she <laughs> keeps thinking smash is the good one. <laughs> See, like pass sounds like I'm going to pass on the question. <laughs> I would say you're this. passing on the concept of art block being a believable. Thing. Oh yeah, so I'm passing pass. on that. That is so not true. That's so not true. Like Michael Jordan will say, and I'm not quitting myself with Michael Jordan. Oh, I can't shoot free throws today. No, you can shoot free throws. You just might not be shooting as well as you usually do. But there's a day when you really hit it. But like, if you know the fundamentals and you know the, the it's it, it's out of intuitive. It's then it's consistency, and you just have to understand and take the day that like I didn't I didn't swing the bat as well, but I know how to swing the bat. And I don't I don't buy in the idea of like, oh, I've got writer's block. I can't write today. You just sit down and you freaking write. You try to work it mm -hmm. out and you mm -hmm. you keep working and you keep pushing in. You don't just go. Sometimes it's it's great to go take a vacation or, you know, walk in the park or take the day off or go get good rest and sleep and wake up and hit it again. Mm -hmm. But I don't I don't I don't. And I know I'm opinionated, but I don't mm -hmm. I don't buy into it. So I would I would pass on that idea. It's great. Ray Bradbury had a great quote about this. I've remembered it my entire life since I read it. Uh, he said that he only ever writes when he's inspired. But luckily, every morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> until 4 p.m. I love it. He's inspired. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We all know you for yeah. for Indigo Blue. OK, OK, OK. Right. So obviously you're yeah. smashing Indigo Blue. The complementary color, orange yeah. pencils. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm still I'm still confused what smash is, but I uh I just let's say uh I, I don't I don't buy into an orange pencil, but if somebody handed me an orange pencil, I, I would try to make it work. Okay. You if the job required I mean? it, you would you would try to operate within that paradigm. I would never reach for an orange pencil, put it that way. That's what we're gonna use for the show, that clip. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I appreciate all of your patience in trying to understand <laughs> Smash or Pass. I realize. Yeah, it's gone. I'm confused loyal thoroughly. So that's what we're shooting for, actually. It's all great. Right. Um, here's here's one. This is a Smash or Pass that's very close to my heart, and I have my own Smash or Pass opinion about this. But I want yours, um, and then I'll hmm. reveal what what I feel about it. Smash or Pass. 
listening to bands in your 60s that you loved as a teenager? It's, that's something I do. Yeah. I do that. So I don't know if that's smash. Uh, Smashing ah. is, is if you're into it. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm, I'm def- like, like, I listen to Zeppelin and I'm like, oh my. And, you know, I look at the level. So I'm always looking at these levels as I create at a higher level than I did. I'm always like, oh my gosh, this guy was creating at such a high level. It was lost on me at 17. Now, as I have done something for 40 years, I realize like, oh my gosh, Jimmy Page was freaking genius. So yeah. a, a new appreciation. I listen to stuff from yeah. 17. Thankfully, I was listening to good music. Yeah. I was I was I was walking to the grocery store listening to the Smiths. A Smiths song came on yeah. in my headphones. And I, I love the Smiths in general. Like I listened to the Smiths kind of growing up and it was like I'm I was into it. And I guess I just hadn't heard this song in so long. And and it was of such incredible pathos, too much pathos. And I was like at at like 42, I I felt like I just can't engage with this particular song. Loved it yeah. when I was yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. That's At forty-two, I was like, I just, I, I need to fast forward with this because I can't, yeah. I can't That's get great. there. Now Zeppelin's going to be different. Like if you're listening yeah. to Zeppelin, there's a phenomenal musicality in that that is, I think, undeniable at like any stage. It's like if you listen yeah. to Beethoven when you were fifteen versus yeah. when you're fifty-five, it doesn't matter. Like it's still Beethoven. Yeah. Um, but there was there was just an experience I had that made me kind of question whole dynamic of music that i listen to today is it yeah i was really into like punk rock when i was a kid as well and yeah. i feel like actually some of the really simplified themes in those songs i actually get them more now wow. like I, I engage with them even more now than i than i did at that age yeah that's interesting so i have listened back to some stuff when i was 17 and i realized like wow that's not really that good you know, mm. so so it's the same thing where you, you realize things didn't hold up like because you were so naive, maybe as I was at 17. And and um, but most of the stuff, as I look back, does hold up because I was listening like Steely Dan. Like these mm. are these are incredible musicians. So then I start scratching my head like and I was listening to the, to the police and Rush. And I was like, wow, I was following talented artists. I wasn't buying into the to the pop um, shallow sort of inch deep stuff mm. so mm. but i have done that where i've listened back stuff like yeah that doesn't really hold up they weren't really that great or whatever yeah so <laughs> were you ever in a band uh no no i play guitar now though but um i was okay. never in a band you know you very much i mean i'm sure you get like stopped on the street and told you look like a guy that could very easily be in a band like a very <laughs> good rock band i don't know i don't know no? i mean i don't know you got to you could have been like in like shredder magazine like i feel like on the cover of you look fantastic <laughs> well i don't know it's hard to say i mean i look people draw me a lot and they'll send me their drawings because i i don't know i have a very distinct look but yeah. all right well i i'm done making you feel awkward with smasher pass thomas i yeah. appreciate uh so much you taking the time to to chat is there anything that you're doing right now you want to let the, anybody that might listen to this you want to let them know about if you got a, you said you got a book coming out if you're doing shows anywhere anything you want to plug yeah well there's a number of things coming up first of all I'm on Patreon I know you're on Patreon My, what I'm doing is different it's not it the, I'm I'm focusing on like um right now I've been on since uh, maybe May and uh, I'm digging it. Um, I'm I'm doing just uh, my life as an artist. I'll do like uh, I've been putting out like sketchbooks of my entire sketchbook, high res things like that, where every page, so you can see, I sucked on that page or this was a mistake. But I give these sketchbooks out now uh, as PDFs. So I'm on Patreon and I'm just doing videos on like uh, if I paint digitally, uh, using an underpainting, those kinds of things. So. It's an interactive thing and people have access to me on um, on Patreon. I don't have a ton yeah. of followers, but the followers I do have, I love. We have a great little community. So that's called Patreon. And then I'm also, uh, this is very, very busy year coming up. I'm going to be doing some workshops. I'm going to be doing a, a, a workshop in um, in, in England and in, in Ireland coming up for the Dingle Animation Festival. That's coming up in like March. I also have a, fe- uh, a workshop I'm doing with Stephen uh, Silver. A great character designer, one of my dear friends, and he and I are doing a, a collaborative workshop in uh, New York City in uh, April. 
end of April, somewhere around 20th. So that's good. We're going to drop that soon. That's going to be really cool. It's only open to, to about maybe 40 students. That's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to um, uh, Paris. I'll be doing a uh, two-week workshop uh, with uh, Bow Arts Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to be where we go to the Louvre and we just draw. And uh, I'll be teaching exaggeration with mixed with classical education and uh it's really like wonk and circumstance it's really what i do with the blue drawing uh but i'm not just teaching that i'm just teaching how i think and how i see and what i love and we just we just revel in the beauty of art and drawing and i'm always about drawing i'm so anyways that that's cool that's coming up in um in uh july so and then i have a 300 page book coming out with uh cured edition it's going yeah. to be like 350 page book of my whole story. So oh my kids, book, kids books, it's going to have a page on um, storyboards. And then my whole editorial career to all the different genres from Hellboy, Sharks, uh, Cowboys, um, Star Wonk has a big section, but the whole book is crazy. And uh, mm -hmm. that's going to be cool. So that'll go up for a Kickstarter at some point this year. It's all, all the pages have been designed. I've got to write a little narrative with it. But that's going to be pretty crazy. And then somewhere by the end of uh, later in the year, I'll do another uh, 72 page book on uh, the wild, wild west with just all blue line, crazy cowboy characters. And that'll be uh, uh, my other book for me personally. So and then we got Lightbox coming up in like uh, October. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So. I'll just say we're going to put in the show notes. Uh, we'll have links to all the stuff that you're doing. So if you have uh, web pages set up for for specifically some of these events, we'll try and get people uh, directly to that. Oh man, I'm I'm honored, Steve. And I again, you know, you're you're one of the rare people that I've discovered that um, I'm just like, show me, talk to me, teach me. You know, like you really are the real deal. And I want you to to embrace that and be and be encouraged by that because I I know a lot of artists. I know a lot of successful artists and a lot of the successful artists I know are amazing human beings. They are. But when you have that classical edge to what you know, and then you have great drawing ability and then you have your teaching skills and you're an amazing, I don't know you well at all, but you're, you're uh, an incredible human being. That is rare. And I'm, my goal is to study with you over the next number of years. And so you have so much that I don't know. And um, Joe Packett, I'm going to keep studying with Joe. But again, study. This is what I got to always say. How do you get great? Study with great artists. Humble yourself. Be a student. That's what you do. And so I'm grateful for you. And I just appreciate you. And I'll be continuing to follow what you're doing. I'll also share this uh, as well. And, and if some my people that follow me don't know you, hopefully they'll follow you as well. Um, yeah. Real quick, too. Uh, yeah. When you were so kind enough to tell me uh, when I texted you, like what uh, pencils and paper you were using, I hunted. I live in Norway, right? Okay. I hunted to get this Epson paper. Yeah. I can't get it. I'll like, send or, it to or, you. Let's say, like, I I would have to order yeah. it from the States and, like, have it shipped. No. Or it would cost no, an no, no. fortune. I'll, I'll send it to you. Check it out. I've got, I've got massive sizes. So I've got, like, I mean, look, I draw on the... This is one I've never posted, but this is a big one I'm working on. It's just this, yeah. it's it's based off of the Norman Rockwell um, hotel room. This this dude okay. is a bit, this, this is the, the size, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the paper's consistent. So I'll send it to you. This is an eight and a half by 11. I also yes. draw on it. You can scratch away on it. It's insane. That's what you were telling me. And I thought it was really cool because there's like some kind of coating on the surface. Yeah. It's a white coating and it just scratches away like like crazy. What yeah. happened was I, I just reached for it one day when I found this blue pencil. I was like, this is unbelievable. And then, and then I just grabbed this paper because it was right by it. And I started drawing on it. I made a mistake. I went to erase it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't erase. Yeah. Then I knew, I knew that I had to make my mark count then i just grabbed an exacto knife and started scratching i was like oh my gosh and then i grabbed a um a scratch board tool with a bunch of wiry hair and i just scratched and all of a sudden it had hair and i was like oh my gosh the funny thing was yeah. i was talking to my wife i was like huh everybody's asking me what paper i'm working on i'm like a friend of mine is a very famous animator and a, yeah. a character designer and he doesn't tell people what paper he draws on and, and i was like 
babe, do I not, not tell people or do I just tell them? She's like, I was like, I think I need to just tell them. She's like, Tom, just tell them. So yeah. I just share it because it doesn't matter. I just sure. want to be helpful again. So I'll send you, give me your address. When we're done, give me your address. And if we can do this, if we can do it all in one swoop where I have you, you, your drawing and I give you a drawing um, and send this stuff all together, that way it's like $24 for the send. It's like, it's just easy and all done. And yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you this paper and uh, send you. That's amazing. So I've been dying to try it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. Hold on one second. Yeah, it is, it is unbelievable paper. And you know, the other thing about it is I've been using a pastel on it, a brown yeah. pastel, and 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 uh, and I sweep on the uh, with the, with a Weberl wipe. I create dust out of the brown pastel, and yeah. I grab a Weberl wipe. And if you don't have a Weberl wipe, I'll give you a Weberl wipe. This Weberl yeah. wipe was used on printing presses, and it was this almost cottony sort of sheet. And when you when you grab pastel on that and you swoop it across, it gives you a whole swath. Then oh, you can really? just erase out with a kneaded eraser. And, and then you can draw on top of it. And then you yeah. can just scratch out the highlights. It's unbelievable. All right, I'm in. It's I'm so in. Dude, so you in would this. kill it. You would crush it because <laughs> your level is so high. And, and it would just be so cool to see what you do. So I'll send you, when we hang up, just give me your address and we'll, we'll connect and do whatever. But All right. I can't wait to see what you do with it. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Atelier Forum podcast. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. If you want to get in touch with Thomas or you want to find out about some of the projects he's working on, you're going to find links in the show notes for this episode at stephenbaumanartwork.com slash Atelier Forum podcast. If you found some value in this episode, please remember to rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And I also want to make a special shout out to the band Test Dream for letting us use their song as the theme music for our show. That's it for now. I'm Stephen Bauman, and I'll see you in the next episode.